Hi, it's Michelle, and you're listening to the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. Hey, are you or someone you care about considering, dealing with, or being through a divorce or separation? Well, you're in the right place. You don't have to do this alone. There are people who care and want to help. Hi, I'm Dina Court, an author, blogger, publisher, and empowerment coach. Thanks for joining me on the Divorce Magazine Canada podcast. You are going to hear from our team of experts and professionals how to navigate this difficult transition in your life easier, more efficiently, and with better outcomes. Did you know we host online divorce resource groups that are free to attend and everyone is welcome? Check out the links in our show notes and be sure and join us. We love bringing experts to you. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com, and stay tuned at the end for the legal language. Ready? Here we go. In this episode on the Divorce Diaries series, I'm joined by Michelle, who is a business strategist. She's got some really great information about how your business could be affected by a divorce what you can do, how you can prepare, what you should know, and the steps that you can take to manage this the best way for the best outcomes. So yeah, let's meet her now. Hi, Michelle. I am happy to have you on the show today. I love the conversation that we had recently about your experiences around divorce. And I so, so appreciate your willingness to share them with the audience to help people to feel less alone and to be more informed. So welcome. Please tell us a bit more about yourself and, and, and whatever experiences you care to share with us. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity um, to speak. And yes, we did have a great conversation and we both got all excited. And so here we are today. Um, I'm a 58 year old woman who at the end of 35 years uh, with a man found myself going through a divorce and I had no frame of reference. My parents didn't divorce. Nobody I knew divorced um, except for one of my very first business partners um, in a business that I was a partner in and he moved to Panama and retired. So I didn't have him to go to. So I Grab books. I looked for podcasts. I everything that I could. I, I needed to know. I'm a need to know girl. And one of the things that's come up for me is how do you value things? And so I have. When this happened, I had a few businesses. It happened pre-COVID. Those businesses were in the hospitality industry. A couple of them got shut in. One got didn't not come back. We also had oil and gas businesses. And I never really thought that this would happen to our marriage. So everything was, you know, that's in your name, that's in my name. And all of a sudden we're in a situation where other than the emotional part of splitting a relationship and a family, you have, you're splitting assets and it can get difficult. It can, it's because it's emotionally triggered and I didn't realize how difficult that might end up becoming. Um, I've always, 
I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've always been the one that's been organizing things, working with the numbers. And um, my ex-husband was always the marketing and, you know, sales guy. And here now we've got, you know, these lists of assets and everybody has different ideas of what they're worth. And I'm not talking about Tupperware. I'm not talking about furniture. I'm talking about active businesses and investments and that type of thing. And I, there was not a lot of places to go. Luckily, I'm in a business program for women and I was able to get some support there. Uh, but it was still difficult. And valuing businesses is a complex process. And, and that's kind of, you know, we were talking, Dina, I was like, sometimes you don't even know if you should take it to a professional business valuator. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is if you are going through a divorce, you definitely need to create a spreadsheet or at least a piece of paper that you list all the assets that you have and what you think they're valued at. Um, I would, you know, in our case, there was an acreage, there was rental property, you know, toys, snowmobiles, boats, um, campers, get through all of that. Um, then start to go into your RSPs. Do you really know what the other person's were and where are yours and TFSAs and all that? Try to gather up all that information. This is all really good stuff to, to gather up um, before you go to a lawyer, before you go to an accountant, because this is where it's all going to be based on. Then um, with your house, you can easily uh, phone a realtor. You know, maybe you both get a realtor and get a market evaluation on it. That is fairly um, easy to do. Um, same with any kind of commercial or residential property. With businesses, um, there's professional evaluators. And from my experience, that can be anywhere from two to $10,000 for them to evaluate uh, one business. They'll need five years of records. Um, but you can do some research and there is numerous ways to value a business. Number one is what are the assets worth? So if you can get your hands and you should be able to, even if it's not your business on a balance sheet and look at what the assets are listed for, that's going to be the value you bought them at less depreciation. It's one way of looking at them. Another way of looking at them is what would they be worth to sell? And then another way is what would they be worth to replace? So on your, your particular business, um, it might be different. If it's a retail business, inventory is pretty defined. It's on your balance sheet. You know what your inventory is. If it's depreciable assets, if it's equipment, um, most of the time the depreciated value of a truck is quite uh, logical uh, during COVID. You could have bought, bought a truck for $60,000 and actually sold it for a hundred because it was COVID times and there was, it was short of equipment. Uh, and then you take off what is owed. What do you owe the bank? What do you owe accounts payable? And that type of thing. Um, how much cash is in the bank? Those type of things. So when you so take just the balance sheet, 
take the assets and liquidate them, take the liabilities. That gives you the asset value of the business, which is a starting place. Um, then there is how much money or how much profit does that business make every year? And um, there's a acronym out there. It's called EBITDA. And if you're stop talking about value of business, it's quite um, a tell. It's earnings before income taxes, adjustments, and depreciation. So if you're looking at a business's income statement, you're looking at the earnings. So you want to make sure you add back the income taxes and the depreciation or accumulated depreciation, as it's also known. And then that is the earnings of that business for that year. So in valuing a business, um, you need to look at the industry you're in. There is multipliers. <clears throat> so if you were to take, say, the average EBITDA, which I just explained to you, for each of five years up to the date that you're at, you're going to have an average EBITDA. Then I'll, you can research what the multiplier might be. And it's sort of written out there for different industries, somewhere between one and 10. Um, I think because we're in a COVID, um, post-COVID days, I don't think there's anything about the 10. But it's not uncommon for an operating business that has most of the management in place to have a multiplier of three. So if you, you know, you've got a company and it's making $200,000 a year profit and you times that by three, the value of that company is $600,000. These are loose. You know, when you go to a business valuator, they'll use four or five different methods. But so now you might be sitting there with the asset value, now you have an EBITDA value, um, just gives you an idea of, you know, the low and maybe low in the middle and the high of what kind of value your business or maybe your husband's business is at so that you know whether or not to go and get an, a, that four to $10,000 appraisal by a, you know, a value, a business valuator. You want to make business valuators are credited. They're accredited like accountants or lawyers. And if you need one, you need one. And then that's a document that you can take to court or you can present. Um, another thing when you're looking at valuing a business is you want to look at what's in there that isn't vital to the, in, to the business. So business owners are supported by their accountants and they're supported by their tax planners to put things in their business that maybe um, are personal use. Uh, so if you have an oil field company, it might be snowmobiles, it might be a boat, you might run all your trips to the city or entertaining your kids, taking your wife out for dinner, everything is run through the business. Um, everybody's expenses, everybody's cell phones and those type of things. So if you're looking at valuing a business, you want to also take a look at what other things. In the case of uh, one of our businesses, when I looked at, you know, valuating one of the oil field companies, we were look, you know, we're looking at 
30 to $40,000 a year of taxable benefits that were being written off in the company. Extra vehicles, 100% cell phone, storage of truck camp, you know, campers in a commercial shop and all that type of thing. So depending on your, you know, you, you put that into the, the, the multiplier, the EBITDA, and then over five years and then multiply it, that's worth some money. So don't forget about what's the benefits um, in that. And I think for the most part, women that aren't active in the businesses might get hoodwinked once in a while. They don't really know what the business is. They don't know how to value it. They they can take the statements. Um, I did have a couple of professional tax people that forgot to check my resume and then tried to pull a few fast ones on me and telephone, you know, conversations. Um, and one of the, the things we, as women going through divorces, we need to remember is that most of the division of assets in a divorce are tax exempt. So if you have a business and you're splitting that business, um, if you were doing it pre-divorce where you're going to say, okay, well, my husband owns hundred percent of it and I want, he's going to make me a 50% owner. That is taxable because you're transferring asset. But in the case of a divorce, there's ways that you can do it. So it's tax effective, you know? So if you've got a multi-million dollar company, you're going to, you know, you're going to make a settlement where you get half of the proceeds. You need to do it tax efficiently. So that the company doesn't pay tax on it, your husband doesn't pay tax on it, and you don't have to pay tax on it. Mm-hmm. One of the ways, if it's a incorporated limited company, one of the ways to ask about and work with your accountant and your lawyer is what they call a butterfly company. So if you set up your own limited or incorporated company if you don't ha- exist have an existing one, and then there's a bunch of finagling between the lawyer and the accountant and there's promissory notes and then the cancellation of the promissory notes and you transfer the asset into the spouse's what they call a butterfly company. Um, it costs a little bit with accountants and lawyers, but you want to be very careful um, in things that you do in a divorce so that you're not in taxable uh, places when transferring a, you know, like a rental property um, there's a tax, there's capital gains there. So if you say, okay, you get the rental property and I get the boat, then you need to look at what's the capital gain on that rental property from the time it was bought until it was transferred. And are you taking that into account in, in the settlement? Are you just taking, you know, the market value, you've got that realtor to go take a look at it. And he says, okay, it's worth, you know, $400,000. And you say, okay, well, 200 is you, 200 is me, but then somebody at some point in time is going to have to pick up that capital gain. Usually it's the person in the lower tax bracket, but also if you're taking, you know, spousal, that spousal support between partners is a taxable benefit to the person receiving and it's tax deductible to the person paying it. Some people take a payout. You need to look at that. Are you taking that all in one year? That's a big tax burden. So there's um, a lot in transferring of assets and businesses that very quickly puts 
you know, tax burdens in place and um, you need your own lawyer, you need your own tax person and you need your own accountant that are looking out for you. We're going to get right back to our conversation with Michelle, but first I wanted to tell you about a special event that we've created for you. It's a symposium, our online conference that's coming up on a Tuesday evening for three hours in September. On the 26th of September from 6.30 to 9.30, we have a whole lineup of experts ready to share all kinds of information that's relevant to divorce or separation. And I'm sure you're going to find a lot of value there. The early bird tickets are available right now for only $25. So be sure and grab yours. The price will go up when we get closer to the event. There's also an option to buy a ticket that will give you all the replays so whether you can attend but want to have those replays or you aren't able to attend and would like to be able to hear from all of our speakers then be sure and grab your tickets now and don't miss this so that's on september the 26th it's a tuesday evening from 6 30 to 9 30 and we've got a lineup of amazing people with lots of information all ready to share that with you now back to our conversation with michelle um we in in my divorce we shared um, an accountant and that had to change quite quickly because it, not that he he was a great guy, but it put him in a, in a precarious place because he's trying to give us both tax advice, um, um, and, and didn't know where his loyalty was because he was a, both of our business accountant and personal accountant for, you know, 20 some years. That would be a, a tough pull between those, not only the loyalties, but your professional obligations too. You know, it's quite a quandary to be in. Uh, so I can't imagine. And that's very good advice to maybe just seek that originally. And, you know, you've, what you've shared is coming from experience where you've learned some lessons and some are harder than others. So, uh, I think it's just so beneficial for anyone who's involved in a business, even if they aren't, and especially if they aren't to ask, especially if they aren't right. Yeah. Ask those questions and be prepared. And I think I'm hearing this is it's common that when you arrive at a lawyer's and now you're mentioning to a business evaluator, the more prepared you are, the better. And I love how you've listed out specific ways that people can prepare before they're going to these meetings and it you know that that initial meeting may be a couple of weeks or a month or longer ahead of them and it if they can be prepared and even partially prepared and have started to pull together some of the information that you've mentioned it really gives them a better sense of where they stand and they already have have this momentum started and it isn't so overwhelming then when they're asked to produce the information that is needed in order to dissolve these types of of marriages that involve business as well yeah I think as a general rule Dina I would say you know if you can wrap your head around getting five years of records on the business, five years of tax records for yourself and your spouse, um, and six months of bank accounts. Um, Those are kind of 
the key things. And if you can, you know, if you're in, in the mental place to do it, if you take those five years of tax returns for each one and make a summary sheet of that, okay, this is, these are the years, these are the line 150, this is how much income my husband made, and this is how much, and put it on a sheet for the lawyer, then you don't have to pay the lawyer to dig that all out. He can look at it. You can actually take that particular piece of information and plug it into the, you know, do some research. Um, there's an there's a spousal calculator for every province, and it's based on what was the income, and they use that T1 income, the tax income, and how many years you were married, and it will give you some ranges of what you might be looking at for spousal. You know, of course, then your lawyer says, well, here's a, you know, also you can find it online. Here's the calculator for um, your expenses. Here's all the different things you should be thinking of. And it can be very difficult. If you've been on a long-term marriage, you're like, you forget about all the things that you as a now single person are going to have to pay on your own. Like, what about group benefits? You know, if you're married to somebody that has incredible group benefits and you're getting a divorce, that's most times going to go away. Or if it's amicable, you might say, I'm going to stay on his benefits. What is it going to cost me to get my own benefits? Um, the five-year business records, then you could go through and go, okay, well, this is uh, the earnings. These were the expenses. This is the net. These were, you know, if you can summarize that to anybody that you're presenting it to, it's very helpful. I think that's a good piece of information there, that spousal calculator that you've shared. I'm going to look for that link and add it to the show notes as well for people to be able to find a quick reference for that. And it's it's at least a baseline, right? It's somewhere to start and to get an idea. Yeah, I, I know for myself, I had no idea. And I was like, well, how would... And, Somebody said, well, there's a, you know, there's a spousal calculators for the different provinces that you're in. And, you know, and how long have you been married? And, oh, okay, well, that's the range that I know I could be looking at. Or, yeah, in, in my case, we were both entrepreneurs, but it had to do with who who drew them all the money out, you mm -hmm. know, and the way that we did that. Um, so that definitely gave me a peace of mind going, okay, that's that's what spousal might look like moving forward. Well, and Michelle, you made a really good point about expenses that people don't realize have been something, it's something they've shared and they've kind of, it's not that they don't realize you forget that, that all of these expenses have been part of everyday life. And yeah. when now you are taking those on as an individual, it adds up in a, in a hurry. I know I was surprised when I put together a list of what my living expenses were going to look like. And I'd been the one paying the bills and looking after finances. And yet when I stopped and went, oh my gosh, like I'll be taking on all of these certain things and, uh, you know, even insurance and the benefits is huge because that's ex very expensive to take on yourself, especially as very an entrepreneur. Expensive. Yeah. And well, and the other thing that I found out is, um, when you go through separation or you go through a divorce, your insurance goes up, your house insurance and your vehicle insurance, because now you're not married and um, 
I remember my insurance agent telling me that. I'm like, she goes, yeah, you'll see your car insurance go up. Well, I'm like, why? Well, she said twofold. Now you're no longer married. So you don't get the marriage discount. And the other thing is now you don't have a biggest policy because before you had, you know, a house and you had multiple vehicles and that now you're just having your vehicle on this policy instead of, you know, four vehicles. So you don't get the volume discount. I'm like, and the other thing that happens and it impacts insurance rates is quite often that my insurance agent told me that quite often when you're going through a divorce, you see a decrease in your credit rating. And that's because maybe you've maxed out a credit card a little bit more often, or you've taken, you know, you've gone to get credit, or maybe you're, um, your ex or soon to be ex um, has done something bad credit wise, thinking they're going to get out even with you. So if your credit rating drops, your insurance goes up. I'm like, what? When they quote you insurance, they check your credit rating. So there's all these little ways that, you know, you think, holy man, at a time where you're trying to get your financial well-being in place, there's a lot of places that hit you. Wow. I'm happy you brought that up. I hadn't even considered the change in insurance premiums that a person could face. Mm -hmm. That is definitely something that you'd want to ask about uh, for anyone listening who is trying to calculate what your expenses could be. That could be a hidden cost that could be quite significant that you hadn't anticipated. So I think that's, wow. (laughs) I, I I hate to be the bearer of so much bad news. (laughs) It was like, oh man, really? I'm getting hit here and hit here. But, but the less, the more prepared that we are and the less surprise there is, the better we are going to be able to navigate through this because it's, it's going to be fraught with all kinds of, uh, I'm going to say nasty surprises and, and things that come up. And if we can do some of that research, we will be able to digest that a little easier when we do have some that we, that we can't anticipate. Mm-hmm. Michelle, can you, do, would you know if the expense of uh, a business evaluator and some of those expenses, would they be a, an expense in your business if it's part of dividing that business through a divorce? Yes. Yeah, it, it can be, right? The parties have to agree. You know, it's, um, but it is definitely, it would be a business expense for sure, mm-hmm. because it's trying to value the business itself. And if you didn't have that business, it wouldn't be an expense, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. But that is significant when you said it could be five or 10,000 um, and and that's per business. That's per business. Yeah. But if you have, you know, like you can, if, if you're looking at businesses or multiple businesses, you know, there are people, um, I, I do this for people. I don't do it um, as a business. Like I do it saying, okay, let me look at this. I can give you a kind of an idea if it's worth moving forward and getting an evaluator. Um, I, you know, the asset value, the EBITDA value, those things are, so the women can take a look and go, that's what it seems to be worth here. 
my partner is offering me X amount of dollars for this. Does that seem reasonable? That's, you know, where most people, if it doesn't seem reasonable, then keep drilling. You know, you talk, get your accountant, your own personal trusted accountant as a third party, just to give you an idea. Maybe they have a tax person or, you know, evaluator before you have to go to the professional evaluators. You want to make sure that if you're doing that, it's worth it. Right. Now, I am not a business expert like you are. You are like a serial entrepreneur. You have so many years of experience. So forgive me this question, but I understand that with businesses, uh, corporations and businesses, that it is common and acceptable that you can devalue certain things in the company in order to lessen taxes. Like, you know, there's a way to be creative with the accounting so that it doesn't show that there is as much to tax. Now, that can greatly affect the actual value of some things when it comes time to determine that value. Absolutely. So that's where I said, you know, you you look at the assets, you might need to get the asset specific asset list from the accountant. It wouldn't be in the regular year end statements, but you can ask for that because they're monitoring. And every year the accountants are depreciating that and the depreciation becomes an expense. So you want to look at are they overly depreciated? Is that really, again, I'll go back to the pickup truck. You buy a pickup truck, you know, say for $80,000 and over five years, it's pretty much depreciated out. When you go to sell it after five years, ideally it's worth 20,000. So that's a fair thing. Um, But you might buy a business asset. Like if you're in the printing business, you might buy a printer for a hundred thousand and you depreciate it down every year. And that, you know, five or six years on the books of the company, it's worth nothing, but it's still a huge producing asset of the company. So it has a different value. Yeah. So that's where you look at the at like the depreciated value, the fair market value and the replacement value on the assets. So what's the real truth? I like that. Can you give us the EBITDA what does that acronym stand for again, please? There was started earnings before before income, tax. income taxes, adjustments, and depreciation. Adjustments and depreciation. Okay. So that gives some really specific information as a great place for people to start their prep work and mm-hmm. gathering that information, then they understand the value of what they're negotiating. They understand then whether there is a value in investing in a professional credit, accredited evaluator. And uh, also, I think that was very important that you mentioned to get your own independent, obviously like lawyer, but also an accountant. And would you say an evaluator as well? That is a quite an expense or is that something that could be uh, invested in? as a one-time expense? I think it depends on the situation, you know, like you might, it all depends on what the divorce is looking like. If it's amicable, um, I was having a part. I guess because mine wasn't, I can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know, if it's contested or do, do you really like, or do both parties not know what it's worth? Um, I think that probably would come into the place more where, you know, one partner says it's worth, you know, this and the other partner says, no, it's worth this. And they can't come to an agreement. Then that's when I think you would go to a professional evaluator, you know, or depending on what you're, you're not going to do it for a company that's worth a hundred thousand. It's not worth it. You know, if you're looking at a company that's worth 5 million and you're, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars apart, that, that's might be where you want to step into that you've got to weigh it it's like you know engaging the lawyer over and over and over again has a cost to it and does that cost outweigh what you're fighting over right like don't get your lawyer to fight over your tupperware yeah. because it's never going to be that's not going to be a good financial decision <laughs> exactly and lawyers also don't want to deal with the emotional they 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 need to make help you with through the fact-based portions of the separation so as as much as this can be very emotional especially if you've invested a, a lot of your your heart and soul into building a business and your time and energy and it's been part of your family there can be yeah. a lot of emotion involved as well and what i keep hearing from the professionals on and people have experienced it too is try and find someone to professional as well to deal with the emotion with you and walk you through that and be more clear-minded when you're dealing with the financial part of it the business part of it would you say yeah. that that's absolutely like there's different you know like there's the program you know that you're uh presenting I found because I didn't know and I didn't know anybody that was going through it I you know use the faith-based systems the churches in my uh, hometown where I'm like, okay, do, you know, do I talk to a minister? Do you, and I found a couple of, you know, support groups that were with other people that were going through the same thing. And that for me was huge because somebody else understood and I could go phone them up. Do you know what he did now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't do that with family. I didn't want to do it with friends that we, were common, um, but I needed a place to do that. Or I could have paid my lawyer $350 an hour to hear that. Mm -hmm. He'll listen, you know, they don't really want to. And it's, it's not, um, they're not counselors. Yeah. It's not their field of expertise. No. So that's very, very helpful that you we're able to find someone, but it's also encouraging for others to know that someone like yourself, who's, who was prepared, did understand the business, was involved in the business. You still had to deal with those other elements of the separation and, and you found some support and some help. And I think that's really important for others to know they're not alone, that there's ways to, to find help because it's, it's tricky. Like you say that your friends are probably common friends. You really don't want to force them to, you know, drag them through the muck of this and uh, family is, is also invested in a different way already. And yeah. to have those neutral uh, support systems who are also experiencing it or have experienced it is really helpful. So I encourage everyone to, to look for those kinds of supports.
what yeah, was... and there's there's some great books out there, you know. Um, I don't have them with me right at the moment. I have them at my other office. Um, but there's yeah, it, the friendships I made going through the support group through the church. Um, there was four of us, and now there's three of us, and we're going five and a half years later. I still have a connection with those women every Thursday. You know, some of us are done. Some of us are still in the process, but we have that thing in common that we've bonded to and we've held each other up through it. And we're through, you know, three people now that probably never would have crossed paths, never, you know, different beliefs faith-wise and... It, it it was really empowering to have a place where somebody totally understood. And what I love about having met you and experienced a very, a very positive grounded person, you know, you have a beautiful energy and you're, you, Thank you. you're encouraging to others and, and you build others up. And that is a testament to how you have managed to maintain that type of an outlook on life through a, a, a difficult time and finding those support systems was probably very instrumental in that I'm guessing because you 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 had each other lifting each other up and I I just encourage people to look for those kinds of connections yeah I um I was so blessed I and when it you know when this all kind of happened I didn't even think I I didn't realize how blessed I was by the people that were around me but the I I would su really support women to uh, let people show up for them. I think for me, anyways, I'm very, in, you know, independent. I, I do, me do, me do. And there was lots of people that showed up and that took me a lot to lean on their shoulders. And it was the only thing that got me through. I think that's the best advice you've given yet. <laughs> And I think that's a great place to end on because myself as well, I think that is very, I want to say it's very much a, a mothering female type of energy that we have been multitaskers and very capable and, and as women too, trying to prove yourselves in a business world as well for all those years, yeah. not wanting to show any weakness. Um, I also came from an abusive background and you are, you know, you're careful not to show vulnerabilities if at all possible. So to have that encouragement to tell women, it is okay, please, like the best way you're going to get through. And maybe the only way you're going to get through is to allow others to help. Let yourself ask, let yourself lean on those people. And it will make such a difference because we don't have to do this alone. I really like that point that you've, that you've given. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I went through, you know, I lost my parents and, um, you know, early and I, I've gone through some trauma and tragedy, you know, like everybody does everybody. And I couldn't believe the depth uh, of the pain that comes out of a divorce, you know, and then I didn't know that I didn't have any experience of it. And then, you know, now somebody, you know, you talk to somebody and like, they've been divorced and they're like, yeah, the worst thing I've ever gone through divorce is 
that yeah it is the worst thing that you can go through you know it's um everybody's story everybody's experience is different but everybody agrees that it is it is a hard thing you need to be supported you need to be loved you need to love yourself um and let people help you yeah. thank you for joining and me today thank you I it's so, wonderful i so appreciate you sharing because as fellow humans that's how we help and support each other is to to speak about what we have experienced and encourage others that there is a light at the end of the tunnel this is how we found it this is what helped us and just share from our own lessons no matter how hard they've been mm -hmm. well thank you very much for the opportunity and i hope somebody hears this and it's helpful hopefully you heard something today that helps you wherever you might be in life do you have questions or a suggestion for a topic you want to know more about let me know Check the show notes for all the contact information. Follow this podcast and find us on social. Know anyone who might find this information helpful? Be a friend and share it. And hey, thank you for hanging out with me today. Keep smiling that beautiful smile. The world needs your sunshine. It means a lot that you spend this time with us and meet our experts and professionals who can help you through divorce or separation. Please refer to our terms of service available on our website, divorcemagazinecanada.com. The link is in the show notes. Our disclaimer, divorce resource groups, blog, and all content, including our podcast, is intended to educate and provide quality, credible resource information. The contents should not be used as factual until consultation with the appropriate professionals for any guidance. Divorce Magazine Canada does not constitute endorsements for nor liability for any claims made in the presenting of this information.